and welcome to the Retroscripts Fireside Stories Human Libraries. I'm Kimberly Rivando Robb, the owner of Retroscripts and Unoya Untamed. And today I'm having a coffee with just a little splash of bourbon in there for the fire. I need it today. It's a cold day. <laughs> I know it sounds gross, but honestly, don't knock it until you've tried it. It's amazing. So my guest here today is Daniel, Danielle, sorry, Jaworski. And Danielle enjoys a glass of red wine. And one of our favorite quotes is, where you start is not where you have to stay. And I love that. Oh, there's so much meaning in, for me personally in that, so that's amazing. Danielle identifies as a 40-plus woman who has created an intentional change in direction in her life and career. She's learned how to rewrite the stories that she told herself in her 20s and often believed. Today, she's embracing her fear of being seen and learning how to believe in herself has changed not just who she is, but the work she does as well and how she helps other people. I'm so excited. Um, today, Danielle is actually going to talk to us about how she learned to believe in herself and trust herself. And Danielle has actually said, the harder I worked, the harder things became. A pause created a greater failures that have become my biggest successes today. Once I believed in myself and embraced, embraced sorry, vulnerability to be seen for who I am, I'm able to help other women to stop working harder, create their biggest successes, and become visible to themselves and those they want to be seen by. Woo! I love it. So before we dive into your story, Danielle, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and then you can go ahead and share all your wisdom. You're such a wise lady with us. <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction, Kimberly. I'm really excited to be here and have this fireside chat with you. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm Danielle Jaworski. So I am a mindset coach and visibility consultant and TV host. I specialize in really emboldening women 40 plus to at their root believe in themselves but you can create the life, the career, the business that you envision and that success that you want for yourself, your family, your community, your organization. So like my story, it's interesting because I am a second time around entrepreneur. Literally on my 40th birthday, I got up and it's interesting. I got through my day. I had been trying to avoid my 40th birthday as much as possible. I was planning on being out of the country for it so I could pretend the day wasn't going to exist due to scheduling. I had to be in the country and I had to face that day. And that day was transformational for me for the fact that I, I sat there and before I went to bed, I looked at my husband as he was getting ready to go to bed. And I said, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And he kind of looked at me like dumbfounded. He was brushing his teeth. <laughs> he just kind of stopped brushing his teeth. and was like, Oh, what are you talking about? And I said, I can't, I can't live this life anymore. If this is me at 40, I can't go through another 40 years feeling like how I'm feeling now. I was on a career path that no longer, now I know what it is. It was a career path that no longer aligned with who I was. And I just was feeling compelled to do something really different. Mm. What that was, no idea um, how to do it, no idea. But I, I had the privilege uh, to be able to resign and walk away from the ladder that I had been climbing and the only career path I had ever known for over 15 years. I spent two and a half years as an entrepreneur, um, struggled, struggled through it, so many failures. And at one point I, I made that choice to return into the workforce, which became pivotal not just in me learning how to believe in myself, but to see the failures as successes. And it's really created the path that has me where I am today, where I'm helping women with their visibility. I'm helping them to believe in themselves. 
And at the end of the day, I've also, I faced my biggest fears, which was being visible, being on camera, having any kind of picture taken. And I'm actually a TV host now. So very, so 40 was a transformational age. Um, and it just, it became this, this place that really in my life journey where I, I made a choice and I chose me as hard as that journey was, I chose me and I learned that that's okay. Definitely. And I now get to help women to help choose them. That's amazing. So you almost had this like lightning moment. I always say, where like, you kind of get shocked and you're like, I can't do this. What kind of feelings yeah. were you going through? What did you feel? At that time where it was, I can't do this anymore. Oh my gosh. It was, it was overwhelm, absolute overwhelm. And it's like the, the quote I, I gave you, just the harder I worked, the harder everything became. Life was hard. My career was hard. My marriage was hard. Everything what felt like I was walking up a mountain that was almost like, um, like those, those running machines that you would, would run on. But yep. it was on the incline and I was never, ever going to get to the top. And I had weights on my back and I just, I was just giving up. I just didn't know what else to do except work harder. Yeah, I had no idea what else, like, that's what I'd always been told uh, growing up was just work harder. You can solve anything, any kind of problem by just working harder. I know now that working hard, you don't have to work hard. You have to work different, exactly. but it, it comes not from changing how you work. It can, comes from changing how you think. Definitely. I think that was kind of a message that oft, a lot of people were taught. If it's not working, work harder. You have to work, 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 work. And it was all you heard, right? So I totally understand yeah. that. That's kind of sad. It's really sad, actually. It is. Because it was just basically, and that's where we feel like you have to keep working so many hours and your 40 hour job turns into 40 plus hour job. And it just, I think that's where the burnout comes because you always have to keep working harder. And if you just put enough more time and energy and of yourself into trying to fix things, then at some point it will, it should maybe hopefully solve, like solve the problem. But I think it just starts to create so many more problems because uh, again, I've learned over time is sometimes you need to stop and create the space mm -hmm. for the solution to flow in, for the time to flow in, for the people to flow in that actually you actually need to create the solutions that you're looking for. Yeah. And you sound like you're so much more passionate about your life now and about what you're doing. And you always almost have this like sing song voice. Like you're like, I'm doing it. So I can tell you're enjoying what you're doing now for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's again it's something I, I didn't have that before. I didn't know what joy felt like. Yeah. I, I love to work. I can't deny that. Even to, to this day, I love to work. But what I'm doing is so different now than what I did before. And I'm very intentional on what I do now. And I, I just did a post this morning where I was sharing something really fun that happened in just this beautiful moment. And someone responded basically saying, because I called it work. And it's, well, you know, it's interesting that you're, you're working is so much more, you're having so much fun. And I fully believe like that's, I think what so many people are aspiring to, at least a lot of the women I work with is they want, they don't want to have work feel like work. They want things to flow. They want to feel inspired. They want to feel passionate about what they do. And that's what I've been able to create over time mm -hmm. is this, this passion identified. What am I passionate about? How can I feel that every day? What do I need to do every day to feel that and tap into that? Because then work isn't work. It's fun. It has purpose. It has meanings. It's having an impact and it doesn't feel like work. So if I put in a 12 hour day because I have to, it doesn't 
feel like a 12 hour day. You're still living and you're still thriving. You're still all those words, like doing what you yeah. want to do. I love that. Yeah. I love it. I did see a quote myself. I think it was yesterday. Um, basically the person was saying, if you retire at 60, 65, she doesn't want to retire at 65 and start her life then when essentially like her body's not going to be able to do what she wants to do and going all those trips. So this lady that I read about as well, she did the exact same as you switched everything around. So now that she's working and put air quotes, she's like, I'm having the most fun of my life. And that's kind of what I'm looking to do as well is just enjoy. I don't want to work, work, work. I want to have fun. fun, fun. Why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit more about this vulnerability and maybe the ideas you had in your 20s that have shifted today. Oh, my goodness, my 20s. You know, it's interesting because when I was in my 20s, so I, I was born in the 70s, the mid 70s. So in my 20s, I was definitely on the Gen X. That's my generation. So I grew up with parents who you basically the idea was that you stayed in a job, you worked for a company, you kind of would stay there for a really, really long time. Even in my 20s, once I graduated school, within the first five years of my career, I was already on company number three. And within each company, I had moved into different positions. I was promoted and I moved around. Mm -hmm. And so what I really enjoyed about the 20s, this mindset that I have was that I had this goal in my 20s, was that by 40, I would have a manager title and I'd be making a very specific amount of money. So in my 20s, it's all about understanding what knowledge I had what I can do to add to that. And then when I felt really strong and confident in that knowledge, let's move on to the next thing. And I was constantly working and evolving um, and doing that, which was a lot of fun, you know, in some ways. And I got to work for amazing companies in these great, really phenomenal opportunities, which was great. So I was switching jobs, careers all the time. Remember my dad saying to me, he's like, you know, you might want to slow down. You're about five years in on job title number seven. And at the time, I remember in my 20s, there was a, a study that had basically said in your career lifetime, you'll have seven job changes. Oh. I said, well, I, I'm almost on halfway there, I'll, almost you know, a little more than halfway there, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at it in my 40s, I you're, it's double digits. The, you know, the idea and the concept is that we will have double digit career changes, mostly because a lot, there's a lot of contract work now. Gig economy is huge. And yep. those prize permanent full-time positions are a lot more challenging and harder to, to come by. Mm-hmm. So in my 20s, it was just put my just it was about driving. 20s is all my 20s is all about driving. And then and so for me, I wasn't very vulnerable in my 20s at all. It was just it was go, go, go. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I just I was like a machine on on autopilot. So it's just go learn, get good at what I can do. And then what's the next opportunity? Like was constantly, constantly moving. My 30s, it started to not slow down per se, but I started to play it a little bit more safe because by 30s, I had my children, you know, you've got your, your pension fund that you're, that you're starting to build up, you're starting to work, think traditionally, okay, well, if I go to work till 50, 60, you know, 60, 65, I need to have so much in the bank. Um, and for savings and that, so I started to slow down in my thirties and that's when I started to start feeling a, a shift. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize at the time what was going on, but I started feeling there was a shift in the thirties and I was starting to just not be as clear as what my, what my path was by 38. I achieved that manager title. I had the salary that, that I was looking for. And I thought, this is great. I achieved it. Woo-hoo. 
a little bit of celebration, but then I looked around and said, oh, what's next? Yeah. And then it was the scary thing. I, I don't know. I, it was a blank slate in front of me for the first time ever in my professional career. It was, which, and I didn't see that as a positive thing. I saw it as a, oh no. Scary. Oh no. Scary. It's scary. Like I, I've reached, is this my glass ceiling that I'm placing above myself? I had no idea. And at that time, there's a lot of things happening personally as well. I just realized that some, something, something had to give at the end of the day. Cause like I said, where everything was getting hard. And that's when I made the decision. I just, I didn't know what else to do. And I, I kind of put myself out there to my husband and said, and it, I became very vulnerable with him first. I think that's really my first place where I started to be vulnerable with others. As I said, I just, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's the first time I put me really, truly me and who I am, uh, not what I did first. And I'm very lucky and very fortunate that my husband said, okay, if you need to step back, I will, we'll figure it out. I will support you and go, like, go do what you need to do. And I think that, that just brought me to this whole world of figuring out who I was, which was challenging because I, I always believe I was this, this title, I was a title and I was a salary and that's who I was. And that's the value I provided to others when that was no longer there. And that future was no longer there. It was, it was overwhelming. Yeah. Just like, well, who you look in the mirror and you're like, I have no idea who you are. Hello, me. Like, who are you? It was just, so that in itself is a very vulnerable journey to understand who you are and, and look at yourself and say, well, these are the elements of myself that I don't like. Yeah. Because there were so many parts of myself that I didn't like at that point in my life. And I, I owned that. I said, well, I, I need to consciously and intentionally change that. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot, of, a lot of time focused on, on being able to do that. It's such a journey in itself, that wake up moment, like, who am I? And I can't even imagine that, like, fear. I've had that kind of not really lately, but like, it's like a jolt in your chest, like, oh, my God, and you should know you the best, right? Because you're with you the whole time. But then I realized, for me, the other day, somebody said, so like, who are you? What do you do? And I was able to go through like a list of 20 things. And they're like, no, like, what do you do? And I'm like, but this is me. This like, I'm not one thing. You're so many. So I can understand if you had been that driven person working towards that ladder or, or getting to the top of the ladder, that's who you were for those 38 or 20 years or whatever it was. Right. So mm-hmm. that's a crazy realization for you to have. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember the last couple of years heading up to 40, I remember saying this to my husband more than once. It was, it was the feeling where I knew I'm living my life because it's my life. I'm physically in my body. However, I felt like it wasn't my life. Like I was almost living someone else's life or playing the character of someone else in a movie that it wasn't about me. It was the most bizarre feeling, but that's, that's how I can describe it is that I was living this life that wasn't my life. And then I knew again, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for this. So at the same time, I have the power to change this. Just, I never realized how it would be work and facing yourself and being vulnerable and not just being vulnerable to myself, but letting people in. That's that was scary. a hard thing for me to do. So scary because I had a 10 foot bubble around me. I didn't hug people growing up. Same um, me neither. Yes, <laughs> really? Yeah, no, I had to learn to hug people. And it, it's people yes. laugh when I say that, but I still, when someone goes in, 
my gut reaction is to shrink back and it's nothing to do with the person. It's just, I'm not that person. Like you have to learn to let people in and to. You do. Yeah. yeah. And that physical contact of a hug is, is huge. Like I remember sitting in coffee shops uh, before I kind of went through this whole transformation and you would sit and you'd just be sipping your coffee, chilling. And you would, I would see other women come in to meet each other for coffee dates and they would be like, hey, baby, and they would hug. And I remember thinking, wow, like I would love to, to have those kind of relationships or to be able to do that. And then on the flip side, it was, oh, yeah. but to hug somebody, it was just this, this really weird like paradox of you want it, but then you don't want it just because it wasn't me. It wasn't me to be like emotion. I wasn't the most nurturing person. And, but, and to, to have physical contact with someone, like it just, it just didn't exist. Like if someone came in for a hug, the hand went out. I was really good at sticking that hand out. Exactly. Like, well, here's the barrier. You can't cross the barrier, which is funny because now I love hugging when yeah. I meet people, even if it's just been people I've met over Zoom and we meet for the first time. It's just because like, you'll see people kind of like, can I hug, come in to hug? I'm like, what's hug? Like, are you, yeah. you're a hugger? Yeah, I'm a hugger. Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. So that grew within you kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So did you almost feel like you had to like take down that barrier? Cause I know you had to like a 10 foot barrier you said around you or something. Did you have to take it down or do you still kind of have that up there? It's a good question. I think there's some intentionality around the barrier just because as business women, for me, like we choose to share what we want to share about our lives, that people can see us as, as people in our businesses. So there are things that I don't share with other people. You know, I, I talk about my kids. So I really don't get into my kids with, with people. I don't share them on social media just because they don't want to. I respect that. And they, they're they a, a, a different part of my life and journey. But I don't do that. But I do have a little bit of a barrier up just from a safety perspective as well. Just, you know, this is this is me. But it's more about, I, I don't think necessarily to take it down, but I had, it was almost like from the inside out, I had to start becoming vulnerable with myself and liking myself and not just liking myself, learning how to love myself before I could let others in. And I remember one time I was sitting at a, on a couch beside a friend or at a, at an event and I was tired and I just laid my head on her shoulder and she flipped out. She's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, well, like, what did I do wrong? And she's like, oh my God, you just laid your head on me. Oh my God. She said, well, is it a bad thing? She says, no. She's like, you don't normally do stuff like that. Like to just kind of be in that vulnerable place and rest your head on someone else and, and kind of see them as, as being, and you're, in, you're feeling safe. So like she totally spoiled the moment of me putting my, my head on her shoulder, but um, it was just more, it was like that, that sign for me that, Hey, I am starting to kind of take things down a little bit. I'm allowing myself to be vulnerable and people, one people noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it didn't feel, it didn't feel so weird. So it was, it started with little things like that. And eventually over time, as I grew much more comfortable and confident with myself, with, with people that I was much more open to, to hugs and sharing different elements of, of my journey as well. Definitely. Makes sense why if you didn't love yourself or you didn't know yourself as well, how could you expect to let other people in to love and show, like know you, right? Like it makes total yeah. sense. There's that. Yeah. It goes hand in hand, I think. But I love yeah. that you uh, gave yourself the opportunity to have that vulnerability. And it almost sounds like you went in and like 
did this meet and greet with yourself? Like, did you do that? Like get to know yourself that way. I'm a very big, like in my head talker. I love talking to myself, but I had to do that to get to know who I was. So it's this whole yeah. crazy creative thing, but did you do something kind of similar? Yes. Yes. I, and, and I'm very much like, I'm very analytical. I'm naturally more analytical and in my head. Yes. I remember when I started taking coaching programs, my coach and mentor would always say to me, get out of your head, get in your heart. I'm like, I don't understand. I used to design systems and processes and procedures. Like that's my, my corporate background is very structured rules in the box thinking. So for me to get out of my head and into my heart, it was, it was hard. It just, cause you had to give up or not necessarily give up, but you had to open yourself up to a whole different way of thinking and feeling. And I definitely had to go inside and just become, I think a lot of it came down to knowing my strengths, knowing what I wanted and getting clear on what I wanted at the end of the day and who I wanted to be at the end of the day. I wanted to be someone who was approachable. I didn't want to be this ice queen. Like my license plate, when I first got married to my husband, we got personal license plates for Christmas. It used to say ice. Oh, it was, it was right in my license, my license plate. And it was because I, I was cold mm-hmm. and I was, I could have a chilly personality and I didn't want that anymore. I, I wanted to be more approachable. I didn't want people to fear me or having to say something. And so that was something I very intentionally worked on. It was changing that whole perspective of myself, of, of being ice cold to, to warm. Yeah. And that was definitely something I had to go on first. And then slowly, you know, I, I warmed up to others. I let others warm up to me. That's so interesting because I never would have expected that. Like, I don't see you <laughs> as icy at all. I always just thought you're bubbly, you're happy, you talk, you're like connecting all those things. So it's interesting. It's like another side to you. Um, I always say that I have a million different layers and sides. And I think most people do. They have layers and layers. But I like to kind of sort of uh, accept or... I like my darker sides, I guess, in a way. Or is that similar to your ice? I'm going to call you an ice queen. Your ice queen side. Is that kind of similar? Like it comes out sometimes or do you want to be done away with that completely? Well, I think sometimes, I don't know if I can be done away with it completely. Um, sometimes it, I don't think it's a bad thing because it can also be um, not protection, but safety. Yeah. So it could be if you get into certain situations that just don't feel right it becomes almost a layer of protection sometimes that I'm creating a barrier between something like myself and something that isn't jiving with me uh per se and so I think there's that there but I also look at it as as a reflection say there's so much learning from from that and it becomes so why didn't I want to let people in it was because I didn't like myself okay so why, why did I not want to show up in front of others? Because I didn't like myself. Or I didn't like the way I looked. It, it becomes all these more, more self-esteem things. And I now own that as part of the journey to get where I am today. But it, I think it still exists there. Um, I, when I get really scared sometimes or really overwhelmed, it might, you know, it, sometimes I do see kind of potentially coming up as a default or almost like a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. But it's not the normal operating Oh my gosh, I'm talking like manufacturing lingo here. I was going to say like a normal operating procedure, <laughs> but that's not my normal operating my mode of operation. It's just, that's not more natural. I'm, I'm much more, I have such a curiosity for people now. I'm just, all, as how can I support others? I, I really bring that now to what I do and not 
this barrier. Because at the end of the day, I can't do what I love to do and I'm passionate to do by having a barrier up. So much of what I do, whether it be for the TV show, coaching or consulting, it's about letting people in and creating that safe space and environment where other people feel that it's okay to be vulnerable. And we can have very natural, organic, unscripted conversations that don't feel forced. So I had to let those barriers down. I had to become more vulnerable in order for my ability to create the space for other people to feel vulnerable enough in order to help them create the changes and the impact that they want to create. You have to show it. And it's a trust thing, right? Too. I don't expect anyone to trust me and tell me your whole life story unless I tell you a little bit about myself too and show that I'm open. And so I can totally understand that. That makes sense to me. Definitely. So when you're, what's your end? Because I know you had that goal when you were 20. You wanted to make that number. You want to get that position. Do you still have like, is that goal side of you still there? Or are you now just leaving that glass feeling open? You're just wherever it takes you, it takes you. So it's open, but it's still a little bit of structure. Okay. I work well working towards something and being very clear on what it is that I'm working towards. What I've learned though now is that once I achieve certain goals, I now have the skill set and ability to, okay, so what's the next step? Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day too, when we talk about mission, mission and vision, I spent a lot of time last year getting clear on the vision that I have and the mission behind everything that I do. And my vision is a world where a woman's career path and success are limited only by her imagination and the reach of her voice. Love that. Love it. And our imaginations, it's unlimited. It's infinite. Like the information, the thoughts, the ideas that we can get from our imagination. And with technology today, the reach of our voice, it's infinite. We can be around the world, you know, like that at the same time. So in theory, it means that really women like your career path and your success, there's no limit to what you can do and you using your voice to get what you want and where you want to go. And the mission is really all about really emboldening women to believe in themselves as much as I believe in them. Yeah. I think self-belief is something that, you know, so many women suffer, like they have, they problems with self-belief because like, well, I don't believe I can achieve that big dream goal because you know, that's not me. That's for someone else. Why would it be be me? Uh, I'm not worthy enough, or I'm not smart enough. I don't have the right letters behind my name, or I don't have formal education. Like there's so many reasons why we don't believe in ourselves. And that's a lot of times it's society basically instilling in us what's right and what's wrong or what the norm is and and what's weird as you know, we were talking about that. Um, Kind of like in that, so it becomes like, but if you don't believe in yourself in order right now or yet to achieve what it is that you want, at least believe in my belief in you. Yes. Because I've seen so many women do amazing things over these years since I've been an entrepreneur. And that's why I'm passionate, especially about supporting women entrepreneurs or even women in corporate who have these big, these dreams and these goals. They don't, they no longer want to settle mm-hmm. or feel stuck, but sometimes they have a hard time believing that that dream that they haven't even told their spouses or their closest friends is possible. Well, you may not believe it, but I believe in my belief in you. And as you start working towards it, that's where the belief can come and that bigger goal. Exactly. That's so empowering, very empowering. It almost mm-hmm. sounds like you have to rewire your brain kind of, because if you've heard the same things over and over and over and you believe yeah. the same things, you have to rewire. And I guess that's kind of what you yes. do, right? Yes. 
Absolutely. It just, yeah. And it, the whole idea is the fact that, again, most of our programming or our conditioning happens up to seven years, seven years old. Then after that, like our environment has such a huge impact on our, on what we think and then how we feel and then our results today. And a lot of times people don't realize that our, our current results are due to how we're thinking, which is making us how we feel. And that we don't necessarily understand that we have control over the thoughts that we think. Just because the TV and the news says something or the internet says something or our friends say something or our boss says something, we don't have to believe them. We have that choice to accept what they're saying or to reject it. And if we reject something that's going to negatively impact us, then great, we're not going to be negatively impacted. But we get to choose what it is that we believe that other people are telling us. And then at the same time, we also get to choose what we believe about ourselves. Mm And then we can learn to understand what it is that we believe that isn't helping us anymore. That's actually holding us back or limiting ourselves from moving forward. And we have the ability to create the new thoughts, to build a new beliefs, to create a whole new reality. I love that. I actually had a conversation with my niece uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, about that what's right and wrong. And she, I think she wants to become a lawyer or something down the road. She's young still, but she was saying, well, the law says this, the law says this, da, 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 da. And I was like, yes, but is it right? Well, the law said, and I said, no, think about you. What do you think? And she had this kind of freeze moment where she couldn't think, like she didn't know what she thought. She knew what somebody told her. She knows what's drummed in your head, but she couldn't separate it. And it kind of reminds me of what you're saying right now, like separating and saying, okay, what do you think? Like what's going on within you? And so we had this, I was like, oh, this is an exciting teaching moment. We can sit down together and talk about this. And I saw her eyes like roll back in her head basically. But I was like, no, let's actually talk about this. And when we talked and like argued, she realized she didn't agree with what the law was saying. I clearly didn't agree either, but I wanted her to come to the idea by herself. And I said, you have to do that with everything because we're going to be faced in life with so many people saying so many different things, whether it's in magazines, newspapers, social media, wherever you look, somebody's barking something at you. And like, you have to be able to sit and critically think, what do I think? Because at the end of the day, yes, we're a whole as a group, but you still need to think about what you want, what you want to do. And I want her to grow up to be that badass woman who like actually thinks and like goes for what she wants, not just, oh, you said I can't do this. Okay, I'm not going to do it. I'll just sit down. You know what I mean? Because I feel like that's what happened to us. Basically, we were told, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do this, or you should do this instead of thinking, what the hell do I want to do? Right? Yes. And what a gift. Yeah. you gave to your knees and just and so many people like they may not understand at the time but you gave them the gift of critical thinking mm. and letting her know that she owns that power as to how she wants to think and and so that like the law is the law is what it what it is but just understanding how you feel about it and you you don't have to necessarily agree with every single law that's out there but you get to choose what you agree with what you don't agree with or what you're neutral on which you know you may not have any feelings with that and I know with our kids, we have a lot of conversations where they come at it. They just want us to give them the answer. Yeah. And we'll say, no, like, let's have a conversation about this. Let's have a dialogue. And it becomes, oh, like, just, just tell me what to do. And we said, no, wait, we're helping you now with skill sets that you're going to need later on. You need to know how to make a decision and know how to make a decision that you feel confident in. We also need to learn how to make decisions and not be afraid to fail. You need to learn how to feel now because it's definitely going to happen later on in life. 
And if you don't have the resiliency or the ability to persevere and move past obstacles now, it's going to become more challenging as an adult. So it becomes, we're constantly asking, well, well, what do you think about this? Or what about this? Or here's my perspective. At least here's my perspective. You can, again, accept it or reject it, but at least hear my perspective out. And then just, it gets them thinking in different ways. And a lot of times they come up with their own solutions. Sometimes they're like, yeah, mom, whatever, you're too old. You don't get, you don't get teens today. That's okay. That's fine. Again, you have different trials and tribulations than I did. <laughs> you know, as a kid, I didn't have social media and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's all about really teaching them how to how to think and be independent thinkers and critical thinkers and how to make decisions for themselves and knowing that they don't have to accept what status quo is and what everyone else is saying they should be doing. But I think that's incredibly important because it creates ownership and it I think it just helps them to as as things come you know come at them through life, they're going to be able to make decisions for them that feel good for them and that they won't be able to there'd be less of a fear to fail and that they know how to fail. They have the skill set to get, get up, brush themselves off and then move forward again. I love it. I love it. You also mentioned something there that I love is failure. So I like, we're never taught how to fail, right? You're just taught there's first, second, third and whatever. And if you lost, you lost. And at least that's how it was for me as a kid. And so I was in sports and martial arts. Failure was the worst thing ever. Like, you sucked. You were awful. And I never was taught really that you can find like uh, wisdom or lessons in failure. But now when yeah. I hit mid thirties, I can remember driving home after I decided I was going to quit my jobs and start my own business and blah, blah, blah. last day at work driving home, I was like bawling. Not because I would miss my job, but I was like, I literally failed. Like, and I'm not going to be able to do this. And this is going to be the worst. And like, I went through every scenario in my head. It was an hour long drive, which was awful because <laughs> it was stuck with myself. But years later, in my mid-30s, I was like, wait, like, failing is not failing as we see it. There's so many other things. And sometimes failures are a great thing, not just a learning lesson. It opens so many other doors. So did you ever go through that as well? I'm sure you talk about this with your clients and stuff. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. And you're so right. Like, failing does not make you a failure. Just you, you failed at something. You're not a failure. It's not who you are. And, oh, my goodness, I so failed. I think about my, the first time I did my business again, I'm very open. I am a second time around entrepreneur. My first business, I had lots of failures and the failures were really around visibility. Um, well, I was so afraid to put myself out there. When I did put myself out there, I was constantly told, um, I, again, I come from the corporate world, fortune 500 world. That's my background. I dress like between the dress and the shoes. I dress corporate. I look corporate. The meetings I was going to, I didn't see other women like me. I was told multiple times in these different networking meetings, you know, look around the room at what the other women are wearing and try to dress more like them. So I felt like I couldn't even be me in this world where you're told to be you and that's what makes you different. So from a visibility perspective, I absolutely failed. I had such a hard time putting myself out there. Making a video was so challenging. When I Once I made it and posted it, I was hoping nobody would see it. You know, I remember when I'm TV once to promote a book that I had written and like to apply, like when she applies, like, okay, fine. But then they said, yes. Oh shoot. You have to show up now. Yeah. So like, I, I got through all the steps, which was fine. But at the end, I don't think I really promoted it. if I did it. I was always thinking, oh, I hope nobody watches it. <laughs> I hope nobody sees me. 
And so the failure around visibility was huge for me. Um, I didn't ask for help. So that was a huge failure for me because I felt like I had to do everything myself. I struggled a lot because you have, especially as a first time business owner, you, I felt that I had to do everything, um, which you don't have to do per se, but I just, I failed in that sense. And then I failed because I didn't have clarity in my business idea and truly what it is that I wanted to do. So after two and a half years, I had been thinking in my mind, oh, I should probably return to the workforce. And I, I was holding off on, on making that, that final decision and taking action on it because I felt like, well, my gosh, well, what are people going to say? I left corporate. So people I'm sure already thought that I failed or I got fired instead of, you know, uh, making the choice to leave and the decision to leave. So I already have that on my resume. And here I am trying to write a, you know, do a business. I'm returning to the workforce. So people are going to see me as, as failing as a business owner because I couldn't make enough money to support myself, let alone a family. So I felt like such a failure. What that decision though, to return to the workforce was the best decision ever for me. It gave me the time and the space and the income for me to really start to explore who I was even more, what I truly wanted to do to help women, which became my later business ideas and that clarity. And at the same time, it created, it was the cat, returning to work was the catalyst for my idea for the C-suite. That's awesome. Because I saw, you know, women in this corporate environment again, who had different career challenges that I didn't have anymore that I used to. And I got thinking, I said, well, why don't I have those? And then when, when women were asking me, you know, do you know someone who can do ABC? I thought, oh yeah, I do. Cause I've spent two and a half years as this entrepreneur working with women and networking like, oh my gosh, I do know someone. So I thought if, if, just a small group of women that I knew were having challenges and were looking for solutions. There's got to be more women. But entrepreneurial mind kicked in. I thought, well, I want to help people. It makes absolutely no sense to have a TV show. I just didn't have the time or the desire to do all the editing and stuff myself. Um, it was before streaming existed. So I thought, I'm just going to pitch a TV show, even though I'm absolutely scared of being on cameras. I don't like being visible and promoting myself. But this belief in my ability to create an impact and help women who were suffering in career challenges that they felt like they could not solve by themselves. Women entrepreneurs who were just so passionate about what they did, they just need to be found and they needed a platform to be seen and heard. I thought if I can create this impact and solve these challenges for women in both the corporate world and the entrepreneurial world, I believe in that. And that belief became greater than the fear of me being visible, the fear of me being on camera and the fear of me doing broadcasting and being on TV when I had, I had a microbiology degree. Like it makes no sense, but that belief in the outcome and the impact in helping other women allowed me to get over my fear of being seen for who I was and being visible. And that became the TV show and now really the foundation for the work that I do. That's amazing. I love that. And you put yourself out there as yourself and it's working. Yeah. And it's showing other yeah. they can do that as well. I yeah. like you, I go to um, the networking meetings or go to different groups and I've heard the, okay, look around the room. How, do everyone, how does everyone else look and dress? You know me, I'm covered in tattoos and I love telling my story on my body and all that. So first I too was pulling down the sleeves and hiding and all that but then like you said 
you're not believing in yourself and you're like, you're almost telling yourself you're not the right person for the job that you're doing. Does that make sense? So I totally hear you. That's awesome. I love that you put yourself out there like that. And your individuality is what makes you, you, I know a lot of people at my space, you can't tell, but I'm actually in the basement right now, but it was one of the things going ahead with my podcast because we needed the room upstairs to be a children's room. So they got my beautiful, brightly lit, amazing office. I'm down here. And I was like, okay, is this going to be something that's going to stop me because I'm embarrassed a little bit by my surroundings and everything being cramped in, or you just go ahead and let people see you and see your magic. So that's kind of similar to you, what I'm trying to put forth and show that you just have to be your own individual and be who you are. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that I think is the ultimate vulnerability is just being who you are and showing up if, you know, our our hair isn't great one day or the shirts, whatever, like you're not always going to look and present yourself the way you always want to all the time. It's just life is going to happen. But I think it's just being open and vulnerable that it's okay. If something just doesn't go the way you planned it, or you look the way it just, it's okay. Because people get that. I think that's the beauty of the last two years is I believe that so many more people are more accepting of, of who we are. And this, it is what it is. And I think this idea of our perfection has been absolutely cracked and shattered, which is, which is great. It doesn't mean that we have to lower our standards. It's because it it just, it's who we are and it's okay to share. Again, you have to be comfortable with what it is that you are going to share um, and just own it at the end of the day, own it. There's magic in that honesty, I think. And we were talking before we started about the shift that's happening. There's a big shift with women specifically that's going on. And I'm noticing people aren't wanting to on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. They don't want to see that perfect life anymore. They don't want to see that I did this and now I've got this body and I'm on this beach. People are wanting to see their real life because we want to connect more. We want to know what struggles do you go? Oh, I have that struggle too. Oh my God, I did this. And there's almost like this camaraderie. I feel like women are like, yes, standing up kind of thing, which I really like. I think that's so awesome. Yes. Yes. And I don't know if it's, a, if you're seeing this too, but I'm definitely seeing it is this, where there's this, this need for women, like community and collaboration and this, we have these shared experiences and let's create these communities or these platforms where we can share that mm-hmm. without shame because if you've experienced something more than likely there's a lot of other people who've experienced it too and maybe hiding or thinking no one will understand them and I think that's yeah the great beauty thing about people being more vulnerable in this idea around perfection cracking because it's allowed I think for more people to connect and find each other to know that they're not alone there is people out there to support them and it could just be the fact that there's a community of people again, who have that same shared experience, but if you're not alone, you've got friends around the world now with, with the way technology is and social is that you don't have to be alone in that, again, this community. And I see especially women like craving community and connection and just really excited about supporting other women in achieving and getting through their trials and their challenges and achieving whatever it is, whatever it is that they want. Exactly. A deep connection too, not the certain mm-hmm. Facebook. How are you doing? You know what I mean? It's almost like people are craving that conversation to actually yeah. get deeper into it. So I think yeah. 
I love it. That's my like jam. I just love getting into a deep conversation, losing track of time and just going in it. So that's <laughs> those are the best. When you look at the clock and like, oh my gosh, we've been talking for two hours. And it's just because, yeah, because time stops. And I fully believe like when you're in that deep connection, it's like you're bending time and time just stops yeah. because whatever it is that you're meant to do or meant to say, you're connecting with someone on such a different level that the time doesn't exist and it's not important anymore. I read this, oh, was this article, I read it years ago about this tent. And I apologize to any listeners or watchers who are a little squeamish, but it was a period tent. So these women, losing villages or in tribes would go to the tent and that's where they went to have their period. But it wasn't this like, oh, shameful, oh no, kind of thing. It was actually when they went to talk about everything. They talked about what was going on in their life. So-and-so did this. They kind of had these like aha moments everything just opened up and they literally would sit and talk and just connect. And I know I'm craving that, not necessarily when I'm on my period, but like I'm craving that tent where I can just go and sit. <laughs> There's no shame when you talk about, everybody just brings everything to the table and you just share. Yes. And like you said, I think so many other women are craving that as well. And I feel like in that tent, because you talked about the bending of time and how it stops, there would be no clock in my tent. So who would care about how much time has passed? <laughs> literally just sit there and enjoy each other's time or enjoy the time, yeah, but the space and the connection. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Start yeah, I, yeah, I agree. I think, and that just, again, I think just women are, are craving it and you could bring your coffee and burn, I could bring my red wine and you just get into these conversations. And I think what's really important now as well, which in, I know I, I did market research for my coaching program and this was loud and clear from what the women were wanting was they wanted to feel safe. They wanted to have this space where there was psychological safety and they felt safe being vulnerable where they could say things and it, it may, they may not have, they may not see it right or have the exact right words, but they were at least trying to voice an opinion and they were open to being educated or, or, you know, saying, well, you can't say that, but did you mean this? Yeah. Just, but these places where they could grow and learn and listen in a safe space, like, you know, that, that, that's something I've been hearing well, as well lately is that they just want to feel safe where they can bring them their whole self to, to the party and whether it be uh, like the crazy hair, just whatever, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Just like, I, I have to say, I went to a networking event. It was late last year. I totally forgot about it. And I showered. I was looking, really looking forward to go to bed early. And all of a sudden the reminder popped up on my phone. I thought, oh shoot, I've got a networking events to go to. Well, I can either, the first idea was, well, I can't go like this in my pajamas, my hair is in a bun. I have my glasses on. I said, well, I can't go like this, but I was just going to not go. Then the other voice came up and said, you know what? This is a very, it's a group that was a very all about safe space and authenticity. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to show up. Mm -hmm. And I showed up and I, I fully admitted to the group because I get, I didn't look like how I normally looked. And I, I full out said, I'm like, hey guys, you know, girl, gals, I'm here. I'm in my presentable pajamas. <laughs> At least make sure I had presentable pajamas on. Uh, but I'm here, like hair up, glasses on, no makeup, but I wanted to spend time with you. And I know this was a safe space that I felt okay doing that. Because I can't think of really any other networking group that I go to where I would feel safe showing up freshly showered in presentable pajamas. <laughs> you know, I gave you that space and allowed you to be you that moment who you were then. I love that. Yeah. 
I yeah. love that. I think all groups should be like that. Pajamas only. Like I would love it, honestly. <laughs> Do that one day. And like, just say, you know, everybody show up in your pajamas. Just yeah. Why not? But I, yeah, I hate, I, not that I hate. I like being able to change my look and all that kind of stuff. And I like when people feel comfortable with the way they look, but it's really underneath it all that truly matters. Like if you are a bad person, but you're dressing nicely and everything, then no one's going to want to know you really. Right. Or they might, but yeah. it's what you bring forth from the inside. And that goes back to our head and heart that we talked about. Like it's what you're presenting and your intentions and your morals and all that kind of stuff. So if you're dressed in your pajamas, but you're an awesome person, I'm like, yeah, come on in. <laughs> Let's hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so, it can be so hard for people because there's like the, this for self-image, there's the internal self-image that we have of ourselves and then the external one that we project to everybody else. And for when you show up as who you are, there's an alignment between how you see that internal person and how you're expressing them. And again, somebody that show up, I'm in jeans and a t-shirt, it just, but to me, it's like that confidence or that feeling of that self-image still comes out no matter what it is that you're wearing, but what you wear on the outside, that's just, that's just fashion. And it's a different way of expressing yourself. Like that's what the shoes are all about. It's all about expression. It's not necessarily about stiletto heels. Yeah. But I think just more, there's different ways to express yourself and not every day is going to be the same. And if I'm feeling like presentable pajama day in a, and I feel safe in a group, I can wear my presentable pajamas. Love it. You definitely should. That's amazing. <laughs> I was looking at that shoes and I was like, there's got to be a story. I don't know what it is, but there's a story behind those shoes on the shelf for sure. There is, and it, it, there, there's kind of two. So the first is I, when I was about seven years old, my mom took, um, she took a quiz in a magazine. Mm-hmm. And I remember her telling me, she did this quiz. She said, oh, when you grow up, you're going to be five, six. Oh, okay. Seven years old, I didn't care. But as I was growing up, I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to grow up to five, six. Yeah, I had no idea what five, six actually meant. Yeah. I stopped growing at five, five, four. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, okay, I'm not hitting five, six anytime soon. So there's, there's that piece of the story. And then, which I'll come, I'll come back to. But the other piece is, is um, so I worked in manufacturing. My entire career has been in manufacturing. I started in food, I went to pharma, and I ended up in uh, automotive. When I was in pharma, I was, manu- I was manufacturing, like shop floor. That's where I spent most of my time. When I finally got into a position that was an office position and a little bit of time on the floor, that's where I really started to learn how to express myself a little bit more. And the shoes were the first way I started to express myself. I remember buying my first pair of red, I think they were inch and a half pumps. I thought they were the greatest thing because they were red. It was like a bold, bold shoe. I normally wore just black, black shoes. That was it. But really once I started to explore and express myself, like the shoes, they were subtle, but it was a way to, for me to start, again, maybe kind of easing out and being a little bit more vulnerable. As I got more co- confident in myself and comfortable, the patterns got a little more wild. The heel height definitely got a lot bigger. Yeah. So it became this way of, of me to express myself. And the beauty thing about stiletto heels is the fact that when I put them on, I'm not just five, six, I could be five, seven, I can be five, eight with a platform. I could be five, nine, five, 10. So it's also, it's also a sign that there's more than one way to achieve your goal. I couldn't achieve five, six naturally, but 
doesn't mean I can't be five, six. There's just, there's always another way to achieve that outcome that you're looking for. So don't always be focused on one and only way. There's always going to be another way. So with the shoes, I'm at least five, six plus. I love it. That's such a good story. Motivating and but real, very real. <laughs> I love Thank it. Thank you. I like those shoes too. I can't walk in heels. I've tried. It's not work for me, but I love, <laughs> love it. I'm only five one as well. So I'm like, oh, that would be amazing just to be a little bit taller. <laughs> <laughs> I had to see things from a different view. <laughs> I want those. Um, do you remember the Spice Girl shoes that were like platforms, but on shoes? I want those to come back in style. Yes. I would rock those. <laughs> those yeah, because like- they're flat too. So it's not like it's a little stiletto you got to balance on. Yep. Exactly. Maybe I'll try and bring those back. You never know. <laughs> Why not? Well, we're almost at the time, but I would love if you have maybe one little nugget of wisdom or something you want to share with the viewers just to wrap it up. That would be amazing. I think we'll wrap it up with a quote that you gave at the very beginning, which was something I I said, and I fully live by it, which is where you start is not where you have to stay. Mm -hmm. The idea behind that is, and it could just be something on a day-to-day basis, like where you are today in, in your career does not have to be where you stay for the next one year, two years, five years, month. It doesn't matter. It is a starting point and it's the present point and it just is. You don't have to stay if you don't want to. It doesn't mean automatically there's, there's a change the next day, but just know that you have the power, you have the capability to start taking the steps to make the move and go to where you want. You don't have to stay. If you're happy, then that, that's great. If it's fulfilling, if it's where you need to be right now and where you are in your life, that's okay. But knowing that when you are ready, you can start taking the steps to move somewhere else where you want to be, that you're more compelled to be, where you need to be sometimes. But where you start, it's not where you have to stay. I love that. That's so true. And you forget that sometimes too, right? Like you just don't notice that. Thank yeah. you so much. You're thank welcome. you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all the wisdom. You have so many like crazy out there ideas, but like they're all wrapped in. I love it. Um, if anybody would like to contact Danielle, her information is going to be at the end of this video and in the post either below or wherever it shows up on your screen. Feel free to reach out to her. I'm sure she'd be happy to talk with you and share more wisdom with you. So thank you, Danielle. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Kimberly, for this opportunity. Again, I always really enjoy talking to you. So I'm really glad we had this conversation. Thank you. Bye for now. <laughs>